Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello. Hello. The universe um, strikes again. We have problems. We need to be put to rest. <laughs> Not only our problems, but okay, so I don't know what's going on, but the yeah, the universe doesn't want this podcast to exist. Someone's put a spell on us, but basically my boyfriend has COVID, which I forgot even existed at this point. Same. When you sent me the positive test, I was like, pregnant? No. And I was like, oh, I've literally forgot this was still a problem. <laughs> I know. Um, and also what's so weird about it is I just thought that if either of us were going to get sick from it or if either of us um weren't asymptomatic we just would have gotten it so long ago yeah because he works in like he's out in clubs all the time but obviously he got it because he went to johannesburg for nine days and spent nine nights total in clubs and strip clubs and i was like when bad people get their cup up in <laughs> you deserve this you're like screaming to him on his deathbed yeah yeah i love that for him though an enjoyable week away an enjoyable work trip but um yes now it's ruined things for us so we finally got our like technology problems sorted and now we've had to do quite a bit of maneuvering to get back on zoom and i do feel <laughs> quite like traumatized by zoom i know my covid ptsd like manifests in zoom links for some reason it feels much more fun when we do it across whatsapp facetime i agree but then and I was going to do it on WhatsApp, but I was like, I'm just going to do it on Zoom so we can double record because if this doesn't work for some reason, we literally just before had to send an, I had to send an Uber to Grace's house with a microphone. And then I was like, wait, you have my like connector thingy because Apple is just actually 
the worst and keeps changing all the connectors so I can't like plug my mic into my computer and then she had to send an Uber back and I was like it better not be the same guy and we both put little treats inside each Uber for the other person. Yeah we're so cute. I know. Let's hope the demon with a vendetta against AWD has finished his work with us. I know. So in other news (laughs) what about all of the speaking of about people with COVID wait what were you gonna say yeah the queen (laughs) speaking of people with COVID (laughs) queenie I can't believe that the queen survived COVID I was saying to Zach I was like I feel like I barely survived COVID and I'm a fit and youthful (laughs) young woman honey's 93 she's resilient she rides her horses yeah she's an active young at heart refuses to retire lady and Zach was also saying that, like, oh, you have all the best doctors. But then I thought, what does that matter? But apparently there's kind of ongoing things you can do to mitigate yeah, the symptoms. definitely matter. There's, like, so much rich people and celebrities have been getting that we haven't been getting. But um, I didn't even realize. I saw all of the reports that the Queen had died. And I didn't even realize it had come from an actual publication i just thought people on twitter were saying that and then i saw that the hollywood unlocked reported that the queen was dead and they said it's a hollywood unlocked exclusive queen elizabeth dead which is just so 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 funny i'm like bbc is gone it's now all over to hollywood unlocked i've never heard of hollywood unlocked until because bbc fucked up that martin Bashir interview they've switched to hollywood unlocked i know hollywood unlocked is like not even a thing The royal family, like, we're doing things differently this time. (laughs) Following in Meghan and Harry's footsteps. Yeah, so they literally reported that she'd died. Then, when everyone was saying she hadn't died, the, like, what is it? The guy who, the editor-in-chief was like, no, no, we have very strong reason to believe she's dead. He just stuck by it. And then he said the palace hadn't issued a statement saying otherwise, so they needed to wait for them. And then the palace was obviously like, the queen isn't dead. And then the Hollywood Unlocked released a listicle titled 10 Reasons We Thought Queen Elizabeth Was Dead. <laughs> I can't believe them. I'm clicking on it. That's what they want. They want to get the click. I'm assuming this was all like an elaborate kind of branding exercise because... Surely not. Like I think the publishing it was a was a an error that they've they've kind of turned into a thing for their benefit because everyone has these stories like pre written right in their like back end so the second it happens they can just go hit. There was lots of stories of that happening with Prince Philip right where people had reported he was dead like weeks ahead of time. Yeah. So I feel like they're just you know making lemons out of lemonade and spinning an embarrassing story to their benefit. Congrats to HU. So the Hollywood Unlocked CEO Jason Lee was contacted directly from a source who was in attendance at the wedding of British Vogue editor-in-chief Edward Enenful. The source claimed they witnessed a call in which news of the Queen's death had been confirmed to a high-profile attendee. They went on to outline the dismay that news created at the star-studded event. What? So did Edward Enenful just get married? Yeah, he just got married at, like, an estate. So, oh, so this person was at the wedding and said they witnessed a call where the Queen's death was confirmed. That's quite juicy. Yeah. Edward Edenfield's like, keep me out of this. I know. I feel like that can't possibly be true. I feel like someone at, like, a 54th ranking person called someone at the party and said, like, the Queen has COVID and she might die and it got Chinese whispered into 
confirmation um, of her death. Oh my death. god, wait. So they don't even leave Edward there? They, the next bullet point is, while many scoffed at the idea that the Queen or anyone associated with her would ever attend Enenfil's wedding. What? Not only is he, like, he's a million scoffed. Not only is he fashion royalty in the UK, a quick Google image search easily pulls up pictures of him sharing intimate moments with members of the royal family, such as the Queen's eldest son, blah, blah, blah. But this is so random. Why is Edward the first two bullet points? I know, how did he get involved in this? <laughs> He's just like, no, he's going to su- submit a cease and desist. I'm obsessed with Oh my God, and then story. they talk about Ukraine and Russia, which we're going to talk about soon. But so yeah, anyway, Queenie's still alive and kicking. Did you see, we didn't even talk about this on the pod, that she said she wants Camilla to be called Queen when she dies. Yes, I did see this. What are your thoughts? I... Don't like it, but I don't like myself for not liking it. Like I'm not, I'm not like all aboard the Camilla hate. I actually think Camilla seems kind of cool in some of the anecdotes. (laughs) No, not in the crown. Just like she was. I think she was just like a whiskey swilling, like gun toting, fox shooting, like mask not traditionally hot kind of legend who Charles, for, like, whatever reason, was just obsessed with. And then he got this, like, very petite, like, pretty younger docile, what every, what everyone associates with what a man would prefer. And he was like, nah, give me Camilla. I, I, I think there's something kind of cool about that. <laughs> I know. And the way we've been fed it versus what actually happened. Like, they were just in love and got pulled apart because... So much hatred towards Camilla is because she's not beautiful like no question it's also obviously because people love diana and they see it as a betrayal but like they see it as a betrayal because they say why would he choose someone like camilla over diana he must be crazy if it was two equally beautiful young women it would be a completely different thing so i'm I'm like kind of team camilla in some ways even though i'd obviously like lay down my life to bring diana back from the grave (laughs) (laughs) yeah would you sacrifice yourself to bring diana back i mean in theory yes in reality no I don't yeah. I think that would be but so crazy. But it would change crazy. the world in so many ways because she was such a philanthropist. And what do we do? I Apart know. From shit on a podcast to help the world. I would love to see some of her mature looks. Like, I'd wonder how well she'd sort of fare adapting to the times. Would she wear, like, a Balenciaga sequined boot like Michelle Obama and just give no fucks? Would she be married, like, eight times? These are all the things I would like to see. Yeah, I mean, I hope she wouldn't have been cancelled. <laughs> you never know with cancel culture i know the rise and fall you of never know very beloved next. celebrities would she have insta maybe no it would just be a professional one i don't think she'd have insta like a scat insta like a you know those like older chic ladies and they like repost and they include the repost app watermark i was on the bus oh no i don't even know what i was on Anyway, some form of public transport yesterday and I found this older woman on TikTok who was just telling, giving out life advice, saying you shouldn't sleep with two pillows because then your back will, your, this is what happens to your spine, God. this is what you should do with your moisturizer, and I was watching her for like an hour, so I would hope Diana would kind of be in that realm. Active on TikTok. Or in the realm of, <laughs> or in the realm of what's her face, it. who does the workout videos? Jane Fonda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I agree. I think she'd be like a fabulous older woman that would kind of go to fashion month and be on her seventh husband and 
just be very kind of fabulous and chic and like a little oversaturated probably. Mm. But yeah, anyway, yeah, the Camilla being queen, don't love it, but don't really love Charles being king either. I don't love... No, so boring. So boring. He needs to give up the throne to Harry, ideally. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even care. Yeah, I guess Harry and Meghan, a a plot twist. That would be so funny. That would be so funny. Meghan would be... If the queen died and Harry was still living in the US, that's like naughty behavior or like hadn't seen her in ages. Apparently, Meghan said, I will never come back to the UK. And I believe it, for one. Same. She she shouldn't. <laughs> Not because I don't like her, because the UK is horrible to her. I wonder what will happen when the Queen dies. Like, she'll have to come back for that. True. It'll be a very tense family affair. Thomas will arc up again, no doubt. Oh, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. Loved that story. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> be thinking about that for quite a few days. Okay, Euphoria finale. This is a list of things I'd like to see addressed in the Euphoria season two finale. Please add your own in the comments below. First, literally anything about Kat um, that doesn't involve her Belle Gibsoning everyone um, or like doing this in her cat outfit for no reason, unless I'm dumb and there was some symbolism. I don't know, just anything about Kat. Similarly, anything about Gia. Anything about Gia. I feel like there's a lot of potential story there, but we're seeing not really a lot about Gia, so anything about Gia would be great. Where is Cal? Pretty self-explanatory. Where'd he go? <laughs> he just disappeared. What's he doing? Where is he? I don't care, but it would, I feel like it should, we should know this. Who is the third Jacob's son? The Euphoria conspiracy theorists being popping their pussy. I'm trying to answer this question. Is it Ashtray? Is it someone else? Is it Tom Holland? Um, we literally don't know. Anything about the third Jacob's son would be great. This is one of my personal favorites. What are Elliot's intentions? He popped up in one shot in the play, um, but if we could just dedicate a little time to unpacking what his what his vibe is, what his intentions are, again, would be very useful to the story and understanding why he's there. Did the scary lady harvest Rue's organs? Slash, what actually happened when she slept there overnight? Like, thought Rue was well on her way to being trafficked. Um, but we don't really know. Where is McKay? Finally, why is the babysitting mum filming Maddie? I saw that camera in the little thingo. I know you did too. Part of me is like, is is Nate gonna do something fucked to Maddie and then like it's gonna be recorded at the babysitter's mum's house? Like is that is that what's happening? I don't know. I don't know. Love that hun. Big fan. Should have got her on to talk about this. Yeah, she really did cover most bases, right? Summarized a lot of key things. I would say almost none of which were referenced in the finale. Literally nothing. To start with, what were your thoughts on the finale? Just to kick it off. I mean, I found it quite entertaining. Like, I loved when Cassie went crazy Mm. and then Maddie got on stage and they had the fight and then... They were chasing her around, but like similar to what that girl just said, I just think it's just so all over the show with the plot. And I think it makes so much sense when you think about the fact that Sam Levinson doesn't plan it. (laughs) I'm like, why don't you just plan it? Apparently the day before Ashtray did an interview and he said the day before 
filming the finale, he changed it from Fez dying to Ashtray dying. So everyone was like, okay, what? And then the whole plot's just completely changed. And it's like that feels that chaotic in the way you're watching it because it just feels so unplanned that he's obviously forgetting that Kat's character even exists. What's going on with all these people that he set up all these random storylines and then he just never goes back to them? It's like, what was the point? And like the camera of the babysitting mom, what was the point? And like, even just Elliot's existence, unless they're going to delve into it in season three, there's like so many random things. Yes, I feel the same way. I feel like Euphoria is infuriating to watch because it has these moments of genuine brilliance. I thought that last episode, as I said before, with the play was like a really, really fantastic episode of TV. And I thought the episode with Rue, Zendaya, kind of hitting rock bottom was like a great episode of TV. But I almost feel as if this Sam Levinson guy, like you say, because it's this one man ship, one man show, it feels like he's jutting around being like, this would be cool. That would be cool. I love the idea of doing this. And I can see it. It's like he has ADHD, like we do, like what we'd be like doing a show. I feel like this is what I'd be like doing a show where I'd be like, I really, really want like a Bob Fosse inspired musical number. And I'm going to put all of my energy into making it amazing. And then just forget about like six of my main characters and things that I've set up. And at the end, try to like neatly tie it in a bow because you've forgotten. It feels exactly like you said like that where he's had no moment where he's zoomed out on the structure of the show as a show and has said okay we've got individual scenes that are great or individual moments that are great but how do all these things tie together does this motivation make sense does this this is this going to be satisfying it all just feels very ad hoc and then you feel angry because you're like I've invested all of this emotion in these characters and then they suddenly do things that aren't in character or like For example, at the end, it's like spoilers, kind of, but how then it just ends with Zendaya's character being like, anyway, I got clean and me and Jules didn't talk again and and then I finished high school. I was like, what? What? I was like, wait, what? This is so crazy. I know. This is crazy. Like, you've set up all these things as if you're going to pick up where it left off in five minutes for the next season and then for no reason she just kind of almost wraps up the show or kills off so much drama in the show. Because then you go, oh, so her and Jules just didn't really talk again and, like, she just remembers her lovingly as her first love and whatever. And then you're like, okay, so we're not going to pick up where all of these other people, like Cassie and Nate and Maddie, left off. Oh, true. Fezco and Lexi, you know? Like, you're just kind of – it kind of just suddenly kills off a lot of the tension that he spent the episode creating. Also, why is Rue just talking about getting clean – and breaking up with Jules when, like, Fizco's either dead or in jail and Ashtray's dead? Like, why would you not mention that? Yeah, it all just felt very, yeah, kind of shoved together to just make it end. And then in my brain I thought, God, is he just over it and just wanted the whole show to be over. So it was just like, fuck it. But I think it they are definitely doing another season. Yeah, surely he's not over it because it's so popular. But, yeah, the whole thing, I mean, I felt – feel so bad for Barbie Ferreira, who we said like on an earlier episode apparently had a fight with Sam Levinson over the character arc, over her character, and then he's like completely cut her lines. He wanted her to have a eating disorder, is that right? Did you read that? Yeah. And that's she refused to do it because she said, I'm so sick of this being like 
the plot point of fat characters on TV, and then he just said, "Fine, you can have no storyline." Very yeah, fragile. Yeah, I don't know if he said that, but he but he did it. Yeah. <laughs> And then I was reading a piece today on Vulture where they pulled up all of the different interviews the cast have given. And Chloe Cherry, who's the amazing girl who plays Faye in it, she said that in her first ever scene, Sam Levinson wanted her to be completely naked. And someone else stood up for her and was like, I think that's a bit much. And then the mum that Maddie babysits for said that initially there was a scene that was supposed to be quite sexual with them or something like she was supposed to undo the dress and it was going to fall to the floor and then she was just like no and so he changed it Uh, and also (laughs) why is he so horny yeah and also that crazy drug dealer woman who who's who said she was going to kill rue and harvest her organs if she didn't pay back the money which she obviously hasn't done has just disappeared but she was sound of instant initially wanted that scene to be like way more graphic and quite sexual as well like in the way she undressed rue in the bath and then she pushed back <laughs> what is this dude's problem the amount of people having to go to him to say no about things is quite crazy but also the fact that like all of these actresses and stars are speaking out on it is so indicative of how strongly they must all be feeling behind the scenes because mm. the actors you're referring to are all kind of no-name people that have been discovered because of euphoria like they would be worried about speaking out against this powerful guy in hollywood that gave him their break yeah it's it's very frustrating because there's like so many it has the potential it feels like to be a truly great show and it's just not happening and that annoys me and i remember years ago i went to see vince gilligan who made breaking bad like speak at the sydney writers festival or something and he was just talking about how heavily he relied on his writer's room he had a writer's room of like 10 people and it's the same with succession all of these truly great shows have teams of fantastic writers like push back question like ask is there a different way that we can do this pull out look at the big picture zoom in like there's a reason that that happens no one person is kind of capable of doing this entirely on their own and i think that is such an outdated idea now the kind of like auteur thing where you do everything by yourself. He's just kind of proving that. It's so egotistical and, like, embarrassing. When I see the credits run, I'm like, are you not embarrassed with your name? <laughs> Being like, Sam Levinson, Sam Levinson. I'm like, shut up. Also, why did Elliot, I know he's hot and I enjoy seeing his face on screen, but why did he play that song Dude, for, like, 20 minutes? I wanted to scream when I saw that. I went to pee and came back and he was still going. I was like, this is, like, yeah. horrible, horrible. Took all of Zendaya's yeah, really acting bad. prowess to stay engaged through that whole song that was random become, that was really random really he's self-indulgent a boy now he's at he was at ysl i mean he's gorgeous yeah i think he's but again why was he even there was he was a totally unnecessary character you could have cut his entire character and had almost the exact same storylines this whole season yeah yeah, how Rue quit drugs is like how Miranda quit drinking and, and just like that. <laughs> She's like, anyway, then I quit heroin and opioids and speed and coke and like blah, blah, blah. And just the way the like character assassinations kind of been happening is kind of similar to and just like that too. Mm. How everyone's so upset about the way Miranda's been portrayed as this massive Karen character and, and just the way that it's 
rolled out and the way that they showed Kat's character breaking up with Ethan in that horrible way. Yes. Yes. I also don't understand, and and help me please if I've missed something, when Jacob, Alordi, Nate went to see his dad and was like, I've told the police everything, and then they're acting like they're busting like a drug den. I was like, what has he actually done? Like he's illegally filmed I think those kids are meant to be underage. Ah. The kids he was with. Right. Right. Yeah, that's gross. So he's just like a statutory rape vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like confused by it because they they always talked about jewels and like your dad's a fucking pedo. But then they made a point in the Jules video of her saying, I'm 22. So I was just like, oh, I, they haven't really hammered home the pedo stuff. Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't like care about that character at all. I just want him to go away. I don't ever want to see him on screen. I don't even, <laughs> I'm like not invested in it in any point. And apparently the actor said he's coming back for season three oh and God. might get a redemption arc. I was like, get a grip. If Sam Levinson doesn't know what's happening tomorrow, you don't know if you're getting a redemption <laughs> arc. He's like, wait, actually, I've changed it. You're a serial killer. Tomorrow's episode, sorry. Is that guy the guy that used to go out with Lady Gaga? No. <laughs> they all look so similar. They look so similar. <laughs> I agree. I just don't care about him at all, and I don't really care about the Nate character either. And I also just think it seems obvious now you've said it that they were initially planning to kill Fez and killed Ashtray because the Ashtray thing was obviously meant to land in this really meaningful way. And it just didn't because I was kind of like, we don't know anything about this fucking rant. Like, I know it's the brother <laughs> and it's nice, but you, you're sad because you like the Fezco character because they've set him up being this very interesting, like, thoughtful guy with ambitions and stuff. They've just done nothing with the brother. So you're kind of like, okay. Like, it's sad, but you're not, you're, you're like... They could have just set up a couple of scenes where they did something with him to make it feel worse. Yeah. I was like, okay. I know, I agree. But if Fizco died, it would have been really, really, really upset. Same. But it would have made sense. That would have made sense as an ending because you're getting so invested in him and you're getting so invested in Lexi that you obviously don't want it to end because you really like him and you want to see them together next season. But usually shows kind of do that to you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like set up their relationship more and then make it like so sad at the end. It all just feels a bit half baked. Yes. TV reviewers out here. TV reviewers up in here. Anything else? Oh, I feel like it's random that Jules Hunter has no storyline either. Yeah, exactly. I'm she like, has no she fought with Sam Levinson too? She's was such a waste of space this season. Yeah, like nothing aside from dating Rue. And I also noticed, I didn't even think about it, but obviously like all those other high school girls are supposed to have been friends forever. So they all featured in the play. But mm. while I was watching the play, I was like, oh, like the main person who's not in this, the only person who's not in that is Hunter. Yes, so true. And also I found the constant, constant, constant replaying of that scene of Zendaya at her dad's funeral just so random. If you did a play where you put another girl on stage who looked exactly like me and depicted me speaking at my dad's funeral like multiple times and then showed me with a fucking massive addiction and like the worst moments of my life, I would not be 
happy. <laughs> Rue was like really stoked. I was like, are you joking? Are we watching the same play here? She's like exploiting you. Exactly. And I was just like, I just cannot watch this again. When she was like, when I close my eyes, we're together. I was like, we've literally seen this, I think, four times now. And I don't get what we're taking from it this fourth time. Like, I just, I just, so much of it. I was like, what is going on in this man's little tiny brain? I'm desperate to know. Loved when the mum yelled, this is what you wrote, loved when the mum yelled, she's a writer at Cassie <laughs> while she was crying on stage. Yeah, that was amazing. I really like the mum. She's good quality. And I love the physical fight with Maddie and Cassie. I thought that was really, that was fun to watch. I agree. Yeah, it was really good TV. Yeah, it makes me sad. He's. I, I don't want to sound like we're shooting on him heaps because he's he's made a very good show that's like a cultural phenomenon. He's put brought together a really amazing cast of young actors who are now all going to go on to do incredible things. He obviously is like very skilled visually in terms of like the style and the way he does things and has, you know, cinematic references and blah, blah, blah. I just, yeah, I think it's sad <laughs> that it's not better than it could be. Yeah. Same. Justice for the girlies. Yeah, especially because the girls really hold the whole show. You're just like, they just deserve, they deserve more. Exactly. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Okay, a surprising DM that we got, Izzy, from a gorgeous girl, said that she missed our deep dives on serious geopolitical issues which we never thought we'd hear the day (laughs) (laughs) i know she said she misses she loves all the silly stuff but misses being kept informed in a kind of easier to digest way which i do understand because sometimes you don't want to listen to someone super serious like the daily talking about things and if they can just hear the bottom line from us in the silliest way possible a pea brain's guide to world war three so, yeah, basically the Russia... Grace has to take this one. Taking the lead. I have been, like, obsessively listening to and reading everything about Russia-Ukraine since it happened. I don't know. It's, like, my coping mechanism or what. But as everyone knows, 
Russia has invaded Ukraine and we don't want to go too deep into like the details of what's actually happening on the ground, but we will put some resources in. Obviously it's a serious humanitarian crisis, refugee crisis, fucked up situation where people on the ground cannot get out of Ukraine and are dealing with a wartime situation. So we'll put down resources where you can donate, but we just wanted to talk a bit about all the various aspects of what's going on. A kind of top line approach to understand what's happening. If you don't understand, and again, we're not experts on the topic, but basically Russia, the Soviet Union kind of broke up and it signaled the end of the Cold War in the 80s, 80s to 90s. And Putin has always seen this as a disaster for Russia and a huge mistake because it's kind of lessened their sphere of power and influence. Among the countries to have become independent is Ukraine, which is right on the border of Russia, democratically run, independent country. And Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky, their president, was elected in 2019 and kind of He actually wasn't as popular as he is now. We'll talk about it in a minute. But he kind of represented this move away from connections with Russian oligarchs, connections with Russian corruption, really wanted Ukraine to have its own strong democratic identity and was much more kind of pro-West, pro-European in his approach. And that included discussing joining NATO, which is an alliance that includes many European countries, America, and it's kind of was created to keep Russia in check to make sure Russia didn't keep up with its naughty expansionist imperialist stuff. So Putin took that as a huge threat because that essentially creates a military blockade on the border between Ukraine and Russia. The actual reality of Ukraine joining NATO at any point in the future is like quite low, but he's just kind of used it as an excuse to make a statement to the Russian people that he's still powerful, etc. But everyone thought it was kind of a bluff, like he was going to set these troops and it was just going to remind everyone that he has a big army and be scared of him and blah, blah, blah. But it was all kind of viewed by a lot of people as a kind of PR stunt, (laughs) almost. But then last week he suddenly actually invaded and basically said, we're going to take Ukraine by force and make it part of Russia, which is insane. And also what's kind of an interesting part about it is the stuff Putin says, because Russia is in a dictatorship where their news is censored, so they're not seeing what's actually going on and they're just hearing the things Putin wants them to hear, right? Mm. So what he's been kind of like saying to everyone is that the president of Ukraine is a Nazi and he's like saying all of these crazy things. And then I was listening to Today in Focus and the Today in Focus person was talking to a Guardian journalist who's in Kiev or who was in Kiev. He's probably been evacuated now. And he was saying like what seems to be the case is that even Putin's – Putin actually believes – he's like – a cult leader in the sense that he like actually believes what he's saying. Mm. So it feels like he he genuinely thought that Kiev and Ukraine wanted to be part of Russia. And he was saying things like they're going to 
welcome us with open arms and like this is what they want Mm -hmm. and then what's happened is ukraine has fought back much harder than he ever thought he thought that they were gonna it was gonna fall within a day and like they're just fighting so bravely it like almost made me cry when i was like just thinking about that and just completely against what putin thought and also putin was just kind of like taking the piss out of the ukrainian president and never took him seriously and now he's just become this amazing which we're going to talk about later but just has like stayed in kiev he's not he's refusing to get evacuated out and he's really showing putin that these guys the underdogs have fight left in them it's like very heroic but just absolutely crazy that this is even happening right now when it was announced as you know we're texting and we were just like which i think we'll talk, maybe we can talk about this now but it's been interesting seeing the kind of response to this online because i think our initial response which was like we just mentally can't deal with a ground war in europe right now like this is just too much stress wise kind of expressed itself as this kind of jokey memification of world war three especially on tiktok i think it was a bit less so on instagram because instagram's always been a bit more like earnest but yeah. it's i've read a lot of pieces kind of criticizing the way that our first reaction as kind of western based millennials was kind of to turn it into a joke especially because we have this reputation as the social justice minded people who get outraged at everything and are constantly warring for equal treatment of people we kind of lapsed into mockery about this situation which feels so much more serious and urgent than a lot of the things that we as in a group millennials on the internet have seen to have taken issue with like very important things like inclusion and diversity but I think it's it is kind of interesting to see how a, we made this war, like, all about us, in, even if it was in this jokey way, saying it's not good for our mental health, it's stressful, blah, blah, blah. And B, just how, like, when these genuine crises happen, we're so kind of incapable of even wrapping our head around them that we have to just resort to mm. joking. It feels, like, too big and scary or something to, like, actually think about it. But then when you when you think about the fact that it is the biggest kind of military move by a country since the World War Two, that's quite insane that we're just I don't know, I know everyone is responding, but the way we're responding, yeah, feels much smaller than I don't know, other things people get upset about. But then also it is much bigger than things people get upset about when it comes to places that aren't concerning white people which is also an interesting facet yeah rightly has been like a massive discussion has been the way that i think in the uk especially but uk and us media outlets have covered the war in ukraine there's been a lot of rhetoric around this is not like afghanistan or this is not like iraq this is a european country where you know people are essentially suggesting that people are more civilized than they are in the middle east and therefore it's like far more deserving of attention and sympathy. Oh, my God. And I think that that has played out. Shana vibes. Yeah, big Shana vibes. Even there was a cover in UK newspapers everywhere yesterday, and it's horrible. It was the cover of a beautiful six-year-old girl that was killed in a a shootout somewhere. 
in Ukraine and it was basically saying like Putin this is on your conscience but it was a girl who's very very blonde with light eyes and light skin and it's this very obvious kind of awkward uncomfortable way that the media is cloying for sympathy with this story is by saying okay these are people that look more like you than in war zones in other places in the world and therefore it's like much more worthy of intervention Mm. and care and outrage which I think is definitely like an important facet of this to talk about yeah I like the um the quote you pasted in Someone said, I have a hard time emphasizing with the whole millennials are tired of living through historical events narrative when most people are not, in fact, living through it, but watching it happen to others from the safety of their couch. I think this is like a very interesting moment in terms of how the internet is responding to world events, because I think during COVID, we genuinely were, quote unquote, I hate this phrase, all in in it together in the sense that every person was experiencing something that was somewhat relatable at the same time. Obviously, there was huge wealth disparity and people weren't genuinely all in it together. But there was this sense of, like, familiarity with the internet where we could all complain and joke about things to do with COVID at the same time and make lightness of a situation because everyone was touched by it. And it almost seems like that rhetoric is being continued into this World War Three conversation, whereas, like, that tweet said it's actually not affecting anyone except the people that are on the ground experiencing it. And it's kind of lessening how serious that is by trying to make it out like, Mm. oh my God, we're all so stressed and we've just been through this big pandemic and now we're going through a war. It's like, well, we're not going through a war. We're reading news stories about a war. Yeah, exactly. It's also been interesting, obviously, seeing Fashion Month play out alongside this and the way kind of I don't know, just that juxtaposition of, like, obviously it's it's not on anyone working at Fashion Month because that's their job and their jobs are just more visible than other people's jobs in terms of, like, the models and the stylists and editors who have to be there for work mm. while other, other people are continuing to work this entire time as well. But it's, like, kind of more interesting just the way brands in the industry have responded because, as you say, Russia makes up so much of their consumer base. Yeah, I think it's there. I saw a statistic that said something like 5% of the average, which I'm sure this fluctuates massively, but around 5% of the average fashion brand's turnover is from a very small handful of Russian oligarchs, which is so crazy. And the oligarchs are obviously very closely tied to Putin. It's almost like him and the oligarchs who are worth billions and trillions of dollars, and then the rest of the population is kept in like relative not poverty but far lower living conditions but yeah it's been really interesting to see that almost no brands until Giorgio Armani <laughs> again like a little Italian he, zaddy he was the first designer to pull their show um when COVID happened yeah just a cute knows how to read a room it's because he's so, <laughs> he it's, he's so rich he was probably like I can lose a few Russians if I have to. <laughs> yeah. He's like personally worth 3 billion euros or something. And again, it's not like he did something massive. He just didn't play music for the show as like a sign of solidarity with the Ukrainian people. But he was really the first designer to come out and like do something on the runway. And I get that designers are in a kind of awkward predicament because 
like we've made fun of on Instagram. People are like, stand with the people of Ukraine, disgusted. And then the next Instagram story is like, I'm wearing this mini skirt to Fashion Week. Do you guys like it? Like it, fe- it feels awkward to mix those two things together. So I get why brands are feeling uncomfortable about it, but refusing to touch on it then starts to feel like acting as if it isn't a big deal when it is. Yeah. It's really awkward. And Joe Ellison, the Financial Times, How to Spend It editor, put up a picture which felt quite jarring, but I guess it should just be obvious, but it was of a fashion editor from Vogue Ukraine who said, I've come out to Milan Fashion Week for work and three days in this invasion's happened, which no one actually thought was going to happen has happened. So he's now in Milan and now in Paris working going to the shows every day with family in like, Kiev, having no idea, like not being able to get and, like, home. like bomb shelters. Yeah, living in bomb shelters in this insane two worlds. It just like really brings home how insane this whole thing truly is, that you could leave for a work mm. trip one day and then your home is gone the next. Yeah, the Guardian journalist who was, was in Kiev was out for dinner the night before the invasion. Just everything was everything was normal. And it's kind of like this weird thing where it feels like the president of Ukraine just either really, really believed that it wasn't going to happen or was trying really hard to not scaremonger. But at the same time, it's like if you'd boarded up windows and if you'd mm. kind of told people early, you would have saved lives. So it feels like the former... But yeah, they fully just did not think it was going to happen. Like that person who went to fashion week for work would not have thought that they wouldn't be able to get back to their city and that their friends and family would be in danger. They would have just left on any normal day. It's quite crazy. Yeah, I think there was, I was reading that there was this anger with the Americans who were really saying, look, our intelligence is saying that Putin is about to launch a full-blown invasion. Zelensky and other people in Ukraine were like, the Americans are driving us crazy by over-dramatizing the situation. Like, it's not a big deal kind of thing. And I think it was this sense of being in denial that this would actually happen that made the Ukrainian people just think, if we don't have to hear it and think about it and talk about it, it won't be real, almost. Hmm. Let's talk about Zelensky for a second, because I want to talk to you about the zadification of Zelensky. (laughs) Zadification of Zelensky? Yes. So I actually listened to a whole podcast episode about this on my run. It's like the only research, real in-depth research I've done is on him and how before he became president, he was an actor and the TV show he was on, he was a teacher in the show and then the teacher decides to run for president of Ukraine and then becomes president of Ukraine and then he was like, I'm just going to do that in real life and then it happened and also... Most brilliantly, he won Dancing with the Stars. I'm so, like, proud of him. He's so... Did you watch that clip of all his Dancing with the Stars performances? No. (laughs) He's, like, really good and he's wearing, like, a cowboy hat in one and then, like, a pink bejeweled suit and then, like, a salsa outfit and he just makes him even And that's why, like, Putin didn't take him seriously because they thought he's just this actor guy who just has no reason to run a country. And then now in this moment where his people need him more than ever, he's just become this incredible leader. The speeches he gives are amazing. He's, like, keeping the country having hope. He refused to get flown out to safety by American troops and 
by Turkish troops. And instead he said to America, send us gu- I don't need a ride out. I need ammunition. Sounds like a line out of Which Hamilton. is so true. Yeah, I know. Because Ukraine are in this fucked situation where it's like they're getting invaded because they wanted to be a part of NATO. But because they're not yet a part of NATO, NATO can't give them arms. It's illegal. So they're stuck in this horrible no man's land of being completely on their own to fight because countries do not want to go in and kick off this huge thing with Russia because they have no kind of legal obligation to protect Ukraine. But then that's just left him in this fuck situation where it feels like he's just a sitting duck. So let's just talk about why everyone's finding him hot. He's like a hottie, firstly, actor. <laughs> he's a five foot seven king, a short king. We love him. Short king. And he's always wearing these, like, khaki tight tees. Basically, I think the fact that he's an actor has meant that he really understands how to pull people together, how to speak incredibly well, how to be concise in the way he delivers a message. I'm not saying that he's acting in any of these. I'm just saying, like, that experience that he's had, I think, makes him much more adept than the average politician to, like, perform. Yeah, the charisma, that's how you become, like, an actor. Yes, exactly. Charm and charisma. Charm and charisma. He can deliver a line and like knock it out of the park first go. And he is showing an incredible amount of bravery as well. There was this thing I watched yesterday, which was so sad, where like he was speaking to the European Parliament and the translator was crying, translating his words. So I think that it's right that everyone's kind of looking at him and is so impressed by him and is finding him really heroic and amazing. There was some interesting, kind of annoying, but like interesting Twitter discourse about how it's like kind of perverted that we're all just becoming horny for Zelensky when there's like a war happening. I know. Which feels like a fair criticism, but I'm also just like, it's our way of. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's quite an interesting, it is an interesting phenomenon. Concept. But I guess it is just, it's, it's not even, it's just that the fact that he's being brave. <laughs> He's, like, being so brave and he's standing up for his people. That's, like, fucking sexy. Exactly. Get you a man. <laughs> yeah, get you a man who refuses to, like, leave a bomb shelter because he doesn't want to let his country down. He said something like when America were and the UK were removing their, like, diplomats or whatever from Kiev, he was just, like, said something like they should be the last people to leave, like the captain mm. shouldn't leave a boat kind of thing. Okay, like, firstly... We all know Boris would be fucking out of there three days ahead of time. Oh my god! He'd have like early Trump intel. Would have been out of Trump would like... be out of there. Biden would be like a confused, bumbling granddad that just like missed the train out by accident. Jare. Scott Morrison would have like already been in Hawaii. Scott Morrison would have been like, "Whoa, there's wait, there's a war going on, crazy." <laughs> so like, he does feel kind of unique in that sense, where it's like him being attractive does help, but it's also yeah that. Not every leader would do that. But secondly, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on all the things we're saying about why we find him hot are very old-fashioned ideas about masculinity, which are kind of interesting because we're meant to be, like, crushing those. But also, is it a healthy... I was interested listening to a podcast. They interviewed men because men are being turned away at the border, right, at Ukraine. If they're trying to leave, they're being told, no, you literally can't leave. You have to stay and fight if they're of a certain age. Oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, damn right. Go fight for your country like Zelensky. But then they interviewed this guy and he was like, I'm an IT manager. Also, why do we get to just leave? Exactly. I was like, the feminists are like, forget what That's we said so last bad. year. Bye. 
<laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But you know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. And they interviewed this guy who was like, well, you know, I'm an IT an IT guy. Like, I don't know how to handle a fucking machine gun. I don't know how to do hand-to-hand combat. Like, that's crazy to expect me to do that, you know? I'm, like, much physically stronger than my boyfriend. Yeah. My reaction is, yes, the men should stay and fight. And I'm like, why the fuck do I think that? That's That's crazy. It's just a... It's a weird war narrative that's, like, kicking back in. And Zach was saying, oh, no, the, like, women are enlisting to fight as well. And I was like, I bet it's not that many is my gut feeling. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah, push wait, comes to Boris shove. say that anyone from the UK can go and fight? Yeah, Liz Truss was like, anyone in the UK is allowed to go fight in Ukraine? I was like, what is your end game here, Liz Truss? Like, that's a crazy thing to say. Me and you can go. Sean Penn's there, did you see? I, I know. Filming a Vice documentary, that's such an illegal sentence. He was like, I had to walk for miles. I was like, no one cares, Sean Penn. Yeah, shut up, Sean Penn. <laughs> Wait, we need to play that girl. So I feel like finally Gal Gadot has been usurped <laughs> by a response to... Gal Gadot's shaking. ...the war. So <laughs> we're just going to play it here. Dear President Vladimir Putin... I'm so sorry that I was not your mother. If I was your mother, you would have been so loved, held in the arms of joyous light. Never would the story's plight, the world unfurled before our eyes, a pure demise of nations sitting peaceful under a night sky. If I was your mother, the world would have been warm, so much laughter and joy and nothing would harm. I can't imagine the stain, the soul-stealing pain that the little boy you must have seen and believed and the formulation of thought quickly taught that you lived in a cruel, unjust world. Is this why you now decide no one will get the best of you? Is this why you do not hide nor away shy from taking back the world? It was it because so early in life, all that strife wrapped your little body with fear. If I was your mother, if the, the world was cold, I'd have died to make you warm. I'd have died to protect you from the unjust, the violence, the terror, the uncertainty. I would have died to give you life. Oh, dear Mr. President Putin. If only I'd been your mother. Who is this woman? Okay, so I've looked her up. Anna Lynn McCord. Spelt A-N-N-A, capital L-Y-N-N-E, one word. God, she's an actress. An American actress, activist, and model known for playing vixen-type roles. She first gained prominence in 2007 as the scheming Eden Lord on the FX television series Nip Tuck. So I haven't seen Nip Tuck, so. I can't believe she posted that. So there's a couple of things, obviously so genre and like cringy that she sat and wrote that poem and then learned it and then performed it earnestly to camera and then uploaded it like so many steps. With <laughs> 31 it. million views. <laughs> Secondly, it's such a annoying white woman thing to like a obviously make this all about you, but B, he's not like that because his mum didn't love him. That's such a like stupid thing to say. I know. I have another interesting thing that I found on TikTok that we're going to leave you guys with, and that is the revelation that Pamela Anderson has very, very, very likely at one point in her life bust Putin, which doesn't surprise me when I actually think about it properly. It doesn't surprise me either. She's so 
She doesn't have a type, does she? No. She, her type is like... Powerful men. Powerful men that are in like a spot of trouble, a.k.a. Julian Assange. <laughs> she yes. used to bring Julian Assange vegan sandwiches from Pret to his like bunker in the Ecuadorian embassy in London where he was hiding out Is for like still 15 in there? years. No, do you remember he was like forcibly dragged out and he looked like a manic sailor from the 1800s because he had a beard and he hadn't seen like physical sunlight in 15 years. <laughs> I don't I don't honestly know enough about the Julian Assange case to make like a moral judgment on any of it. But I love that. No, we're talking about Pam. I love, uh, yeah, she loves like a troubled man. We do understand, you know, like Tommy Lee. What connects Tommy Lee, Julian Assange, and Vladimir Putin? (laughs) That's your homework for today, ladies. (laughs) Wait, let me see if she's dated anyone else that we can add to that. Yeah, who else has she dated? Surely some good people. When I pulled up fucking Jude Law's dating history, it was like every woman that's ever Kid lived. Kid Rock. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. She's had six husbands. Oh, th- sorry, five. Rick Solomon, John Peters. Ush, a photo of Usher came up. Why is this woman so important Usher. and iconic? Pam. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't recognize anyone else. I have to say, but yeah, those three go figure. A photo of Usher came up, but I can't get on the article because my computer's. Oh my god, there's a few photos of her and Usher. Okay, add that. That's a gossip thing. Right. So we're gonna add Usher to the list. Okay. Um. Okay. Off to Patreon. Bye. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.